You're listening to audio from Queen City Church. Thank you for joining us. We hope this message will encourage you and offer practical steps for a relationship with God that keeps getting better and better. Well, thank you so much. My beloved wife, Bonnie, and I have been here this weekend and sharing some time with your wonderful leadership team. And uh, of course, we're so proud of Pastor Brian and Pastor Heather. I know if our senior pastor, Pastor Robert Morris, could be here, he would say the same thing. We're all so proud of you at Gateway Church. And uh, it's really a privilege to be, be here today, Pastor Brian. Thank you. Well, in Christian doctrine, we affirm that Jesus was and is fully God. But our Bibles also teach us that he was and is fully man. He didn't shed his earthly body, but it's now a glorious body. And in the same way he went to heaven, he will return. 1 Timothy 2.5 says that there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man, Christ Jesus. So if Jesus was and is a man, what kind of man is he? He's a Jewish man. He's not from Rome. He's not from Springfield, Missouri. He's from the land of Israel, and he's Jewish. So I want to declare today, Jesus is Jewish. He was born of a Jewish mother. He was circumcised on the eighth day according to the Jewish law. The covenant of circumcision is the right given to Israel in Leviticus 12 that binds the male child to the people of Israel and to the God of Israel. He lived a Jewish life. He died as a Jew, and he'll return as the Jewish judge and king. Revelation 5.5 says, Do not weep. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has prevailed. Now, the Jewish people generally don't have a problem with the humanity of Jesus, but with his divinity. But Christians, on the other hand, generally don't have problems with his divinity, but they struggle with his humanity. So what's happening in our day? Jesus is showing us who he is. I have a close friend who grew up in an Orthodox Jewish family, and he was in Jerusalem, in the old city of Jerusalem, and all of a sudden, to his shock, Jesus appears right in front of him, and he knew it was Jesus. He turned to him, and with eyes piercing in love, he knew Jesus loves me. He knew immediately Jesus is calling me to follow him. He knew immediately Jesus is the Messiah, and he knew immediately Jesus is Jewish. I have another Jewish friend who's experienced growing up with uh, Christians uh, in his high school that if anybody ever shared their faith with him, he would say, hey, I'm Jewish. And they'd say, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I I didn't know, I didn't know. But he had a loving friend that finally shared the gospel with him and gave him a New Testament, and he was shocked when he opened the New Testament, and the very first verse of the New Testament says, Jesus, the son of David, the son of Abraham. He sincerely thought Jesus was the son of Mr. and Mrs. Santa Claus. He thought Jesus was a good Gentile. Now, a hero in the New Testament to us is the Apostle Paul. But do you know that he was a Jewish rabbi whose Hebrew name is Saul? Saul's testimony of salvation is given three times in the book of Acts. But in the third occasion, in chapter 26, he's sharing with the Jewish leadership of the day, and he shares something new about his testimony. It says in verse 14 that 
he had been traveling down the road to Damascus. A bright light hits him. He blinds him. He falls off his horse in this voice saying in the Hebrew language, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? So I said, who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus. So in Hebrew, Jesus said, Ani Yeshua. Ani Yeshua. Jesus came to Rabbi Saul speaking Hebrew and revealing himself as the Jewish Messiah, but then called him to the nations. Never to forget to the Jew first, though. Now, Pastor Brian just preached a great series called From Dream to Reality on the Life of Joseph. And one of the clearest pictures of the future Messiah in the Old Testament is Joseph. He was the beloved son of his father Jacob. He was destined to deliver his family, the children of Israel, but was rejected by his brothers. He was sold into slavery, but in time he was raised up to be number two to Pharaoh in all of Egypt. So when his brothers came to Egypt seeking food during a drought, Joseph recognized his brothers, but his brothers did not recognize him. He even concealed his identity to his brothers. He was only speaking to them in Egyptian through a translator. But in Genesis 45, it says, when he could restrain himself no longer, he began to weep and he sent all the Egyptians out. And then speaking Hebrew for the first time, Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. In Hebrew, Ani Yosef. He then told them to come close. He showed them that he was circumcised, that he was one of them. His brothers were speechless. They were in absolute shock at this revelation. Jesus is coming to his brothers today and revealing himself as the Jewish Jesus, the Messiah of Israel, who is also the Savior of the nations. Now, some say, hey, Wayne, acknowledging Jesus as Jewish is going to offend Muslim people. Do you realize that as many as 50% of former Muslims in the Middle East who now believe in Jesus claim that dreams of Jesus had a significant impact on leading them to faith? And the fastest growing church in the world is in Iran. It's estimated there are a million believers in Jesus now, growing at a rate of 20% of year, and visions of Jesus are common among them. The church there has no buildings or central leadership. It's primarily led by women. And it's very pro-Jewish in Iran, a very anti-Semitic, anti-Israel, anti-Jewish nation. Jesus, yes, is Jewish, but he loves all people. And because Jesus loves all people, we should love all people. But because Jesus is Jewish, we should have love and concern for the Jewish people. And may the Jewish people see the true Jesus through you. Hey, good morning, y'all. My name is Jared Blair. I get to oversee young adults and students here at uh, Queen City. And if, I'm just going to say I'm stoked for the fall. I can't talk about it, and it's really hard to stand up here with the microphone and not talk about it. Big things coming. If you want to know more about it, if you are a student yourself or a young adult yourself or the parents of either one of those, go find me in the serve area, and I will give you, I'll tell you something. I still don't know what I can share. But... (laughs) 
I think you want to tap in this fall and be a part of that. Um, I only have a few minutes here, and obviously, like, we're filling in the blank. Jesus is what? So as I was praying, as Pastor Brian was asking me to consider what to do, the phrase that kept coming back to me is, Jesus is faithful. So the natural question after that is why, and Hebrews 13, 8 puts it very clearly, because Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. I gave my life to Jesus when I was about 17 in a ministry called Young Life. I ended up serving in that same ministry for seven years, and that was great, and I had a great community. I had great people above me, but at some point, I started to realize that there's work that I had to do in my relationship with God. So I'll experience things like what happens when you make the decision to follow Jesus, but your life doesn't automatically become this fairy tale that you ever dreamed of and all your problems go away. But rather, there's a lot of tears and there's pain and there's things you have to sift through and you're praying over and over again for the same thing, you feel like God doesn't hear you anymore or you're trying and begging God to give you a breakthrough through a situation and you just feel like your prayers are not answered. At, through that time in Young Life, I had the opportunity to start new ministries in Dayton and Bellevue, Kentucky, and it was great. I was getting super encouraged. Whenever somebody's going to go do something, there's a lot of like verbal, like, I support you, but then it was time to go, and no one went with me, right? I ended up coaching football. The parents hated me, right? and I knew no one, and I was just there, and I was alone, and I was like the loneliest I think I've ever been in my entire life, which started to brew up old anxieties and depression and that like stuff that I thought I left when I committed my life to Jesus, but it doesn't just magically go away. So naturally I did the best thing you can do. I was like, I'm going to quit now. Right? So I started, started talking to everybody over me. They're like, you're doing great to see it through. I'm like, no, here's why I'm not fit for this. I don't believe I can do this. You got the wrong guy. So why don't we just let me leave? Right? And I was challenged to not only think about my own time with Jesus, but to also think, if Jesus is real, that means we also have a very real enemy, right? So in John 10, 10, the first half of that verse, it actually holds the enemy's job description, which is this. The thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. And that's what I was experiencing, and that's probably what a lot of you guys have experienced at some point in life. But the second half says this. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. The message version puts it like this. A thief is only there to steal, kill, and destroy. I came that they can have real and eternal life, more and better life than they've ever dreamed of, which is what we say around here is a life with God that just gets better and better. But then there's also another shift, right? Like you can hear these things. You can say that's right. You can be like, okay, that's good. But at some point you have to realize that and believe this for yourself. So I started to pray and ask God like, yo, can we do something about this? Can you show more of yourself to me. And Jesus being sweet like he is, I started to see like, yo, this door that I said yes to has been wide open the entire time, but I just haven't chosen to walk through it. Right? That the same God that died on a tree for me, just so I might choose him, I can be with him anytime, anywhere, any place, at any moment. Right? Therefore, I'm convinced that like, no matter what I did yesterday, no matter what you did yesterday, no matter what you thought about this morning, right? That if I have breath in my lungs when I wake up in the morning, I still have a purpose here. And that's just because Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. So now we hear this, but I want to challenge you to do something. It's like when you look at this verse and you see the yesterday, 
acknowledge for yourself, like, yo, Jesus died for me. He is exactly who he said he was, the son of God on mission to seek and save the lost, just in circumstance that you might even choose him, right? That today, as Pastor Mayo said last week, that Christ is still near to you. No matter who you are, no matter what you do, that Christ is still near, that you're seen and loved by the God of the universe, the King of Kings. He chooses and loves you today. You can enter into that anywhere, and not just at church on Sunday, but in private too. And that we can look to forever, right? The tomorrow, forever, that we get access and we choose to receive this gift of God, that we get the free gift of eternal life in Christ Jesus, that no one can take away. That we get to spend eternity with the same God that sees us and loves us now and died for us before. I've been a part of Queen City since about January 2019, and I have the privilege of leading our prayer team here. Um, For our note takers, I'm going to do Luke 14, verses 26 through 28 today, and my prompt is, Jesus is commander-in-chief. All right, quick fun fact about me, though. Uh, I feel like most people, when they get nervous, they get kind of shy. I swing hard the other way. (laughs) I act like we're best friends, like we've known each other our whole lives. I get too personal too fast. Um, I have a quick story for you. Any Bengals fans in the house? Yeah, who day? Yeah, any Marvin Lewis fans? Cool, I was expecting there to be less, but that's okay. Back in the day when he was our city's football coach, I was running a frozen yogurt business, and we were asked to be a vendor at an event that his organization was running. And they were very clear with us when we got there. Refer to him as Mr. Lewis or Coach Lewis, if you see him. It's like, got it. Um, So what did I do when he came up to our tent, decked out in black and orange? Marv, what's up? (laughs) I was... Mortified. I think he loved it though. So I am, I am nervous now. So if I get too personal, just roll with it. Okay, guys. Uh, so the day that Pastor Brian asked me to speak today, um, I was actually leading a group online called Story Formed Life with some new friends in South Jersey. Shout out. Uh, they're going to put on the screen the, the chapters that we cover. It's an 11-week group where we are looking at God's story. And we're, we're trying to find key themes in each chapter and then ask ourselves, do we really believe those things? Like, is God's story narrating our lives? And that night, we were on chapter 6, Confession. And we were reading um, in Philippians about this. Um, the author, Paul, is talking about Jesus and his character. And then he launches into this. He says, Therefore God elevated him, Jesus, to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And that last sentence, Jesus Christ is Lord, it jumped off the page that night. And the group ended, and I was like, that's what I'm going to talk about today. 
And I think why is because that title and that authority, that, that lordship, it's heavy. And I don't, I don't think we can fully understand it or maybe even want to talk about it or want to figure it out. Um, and I had this analogy that I thought might be helpful for you guys to, to kind of understand this or unpack this a little bit. So they're going to put a, a T-chart on, on the screen because I love a good T-chart. Um, and we, we know we know that Jesus is king and we just heard he's also lord. So he's kind of got a couple of job titles. Well, that's really similar to actually the way our government is set up. So we have a president. He has a second job as commander in chief. And if you're in the military, you know what that means. You know that what he says goes. You have committed to that. He is the authority in your life and he calls the shots. And confessing that Jesus is Lord, it's kind of the same thing. It's kind of like he becomes your commander in chief. Now, this is not a decision to make quickly, right? Most people don't decide on a whim to join the army. Um, This is a process. This is something they've thought out because it's a big commitment. And what I love is Jesus knew that and he talks about that. Um, And uh, so this is where my verse for today, Luke 14, verses 26 through 28. This is what Jesus says um, when he's talking about what this means, this discipleship, this following him. He says, if you want to be my disciple, you must by comparison hate everyone else. Your father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even your own life. Otherwise, you cannot be my disciple. And if you do not carry your own cross and follow me, you cannot be my disciple. But don't begin until you've counted the cost. And he goes on to describe two different scenarios about what it looks like to count the cost. And he says, you're kind of a fool if you try to build a building and can't finish. Or if you decide to go to war, but you're not sure if you can win. And confessing Jesus is commander-in-chief, it's the same. It's complete surrender, and it's worth figuring out, like, okay, what what would this actually look like? Um, The other thing that came to mind, though, guys, is what I love is Jesus knew this was— this is not chapter one in the story. This is chapter six for a reason, right? So I'm going to throw the chapters up there again from Story From Life, and it, it clicked to me. This isn't a stranger asking you to give your whole life away. This is the God who created you, chapter one, creation. This is the God who ran after you after you screwed up, chapter two, the fall. This is the God who made a way for things to be better, covenant, kingdom, and the God who extended forgiveness to you even when you rejected and killed his only son, cross. That's the God who's asking you to confess Jesus is commander-in-chief. So let me share a quick personal story for you guys. I, I grew up in Cincinnati on the east side, and I grew up in a Christian home, and I was baptized when I was 12 because I knew and I believed that Jesus was my Savior. But I did not confess Jesus as Lord until I was 23. I was given a chance to go to China and teach English for a year. And while I was there, our team, we got to know the other teachers we were working with, and we were telling them about God's story, and they were interested, and there was this growing faith, so much so that we were almost about to go home. We were about three months out from from going home, and our leader came to us. We were a team of 10, and they said, if at least five of you are willing to stay and keep investing in these people, we'll we'll re-up. We'll do another year. This threw me for a loop. (laughs) I was ready to go home at this point. It had been a hard year. I was counting down the days, literally. And I started to imagine like, oh, this is like maybe the first time for me that I was given the chance to count the cost. Like, what would it mean to go home or to stay and see this thing through? Um, And I was challenged, right? Like going home meant a lot of good things. Seeing friends and family, drinking an ice cold beverage. Um, And, but staying, staying meant 
these people, I wouldn't have those things, but these people, they'd continue to hear God's story and might even choose to be in a relationship with him. Um, so th- that's what I was left with. That was the challenge, right? So they're going to put a photo on the screen. This was from my journal that year, April 11th. So top right corner. I love how I wrote this. Like the day I made, no, he made the decision to come back to China. I said, yes, guys, God asked me to, and I said, yes. And even though I knew this is going to be a challenge, this is going to be a sacrifice. um, But that was the day for me that I said, Jesus is commander in chief. He calls the shots. What do you want? I'll do it. Crazy thing is I didn't have to stay. I was the only one that said yes. So one in 10, which means I didn't have to, but things have never been the same. The last 16 years of my life, they've not been easy, but they have been good and peaceful and filled with so much purpose because I said yes, because I said, you, you're in charge. You call the shots. And I just want to ask you guys today, have you ever really had the chance to count the cost for surrendering your whole life to him? If you're new to God's story, I would encourage you, Sign up for Storyform Life this fall. I'll offer it for our group semester. And I would love to teach you and and hang out with you and talk more about the main character and who he is before you decide to give him your whole life. But if you're here and you know him, but you're holding back, I would just love to challenge you. Find out why. Be willing to journal or sit with a trusted friend and ask the hard questions. What haven't I surrendered? Why don't I trust him with that? And what would be a potential next step in counting the cost and confessing Jesus as commander-in-chief? You guys. Good morning, good morning. Good morning, my name is Miko, and um, today I am honored to share with you about Jesus is Peace. Jesus is Peace, um, I believe this aspect of his nature is what I have the most intimate connection with, and I'm going to tell you how that came about. John 14, 27, Jesus himself says, I am leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. In 2012 is when I first began to develop this um, intimate connection with that aspect of his nature. I was actually in jail. Um, long story short, I was locked up for drug trafficking. And, um, or as uh, Pastor Mayo said last week, um, pharmaceutical sales or something like that. <laughs> Um, the difference though, man, I actually started selling drugs when I was like 14 or 15 years old. And this wasn't my first time going to prison for selling drugs. This was actually going to be my third time. And this time I was looking at 30 plus years. At that point in my life, my relationship with God was obviously on the back burner. I was blessed to have a mother who raised me and my two younger brothers, like knowing God though, right? Like intimately a very personal relationship with Jesus. At age nine or 10 is when I got baptized and I did so on my own accord. I knew exactly what that meant. I was making it public, like Pastor Brian says. And um, I loved having a relationship with God, but I was also a very disobedient kid. And over the years, that disobedience matured to very wayward living. 
which ultimately led me to being in jail back in 2012. I remember sitting in that cell one day as I was waiting to find out how much time I would actually end up having to do. And I was thinking to God, like, yo, like, God, I get it. I left you. I understand. But this, 10, 20, 30 years here? Like, what about my son? The uncertainty of what my life will become was eating away at my soul. Anxiety, stress, worry, fear. That was my portion. If you've ever battled with any of those, you know that in those moments, you need peace like you need air. And I didn't want it from anything outside. I didn't want it from any other outside source. I wanted it from in here. I wanted the peace of God. I love how he says, and the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. And I needed it. And I guess something must have clicked. And it's like I chose it in that moment. Like I just released. I stopped longing or trying to figure out or regretting. And I shifted my focus from my situation to him. And I just sat there in his rest. And in an instant, family, all anxiety, Stress, fear, worry, would just dissipate. I was free. I mean, not from jail. Like, I was still, like, I was still in jail. Like, that would have been crazy, right? Like, if he would have, like, what was that in the New Testament where the guy just, and then he, like, yo, I would have been up here with a completely different story then, man. Man, but, but no, I was, um, I was free from uh, anxiety. My circumstances didn't change, but I was okay. That became my superpower. No matter what life was looking like, I could tap into that. That peace of mind, that peace of heart, and be okay. I ended up getting six years, though. And I tell you like this. I am so glad that that's over with. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Sheesh. <laughs> Man. Throughout that six years, like, when, t- when anxiety or stuff would creep in, like, I could just steal myself, sit with God, and just be at peace. Chances are none of you probably ever been in jail, man. Hopefully you never will. But I guarantee if I pulled this room right now and said who in here has dealt with anxiety, depression, fear, worry, there probably wouldn't be a single hand in this audience that didn't go up. So that's our common ground. But no matter how you get there, what takes you to that place, 
the answer is still the same. Jesus is peace. The only peace on both sides of heaven. Galatians 5.22 tells us, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. As believers, that peace is our portion. But we have to choose it. The same way that we choose joy, we have to choose that peace. So today, I just want to encourage you all, as believers, that when you find yourself in those moments of anxiety or stress or worry, please, choose that peace. The life-changing peace that only Jesus can give. That's all I got. Good morning or afternoon. It is 12.04, this clock says. Um, Good afternoon. If I have not met you, my name is Sydney and uh, I serve on our lead team here. I get to oversee a lot of um, really fun and special things to me. And uh, one of the things that I get to oversee is our outreach. And before I get started, um, I just wanted to take a second um, and share something with you guys, celebrate something with you guys. Uh, If you were here last week, Um, we took a little bit of time to pray for the flooding that happened in eastern Kentucky. Um, And and as we were kind of leading up to the service, we we spent some time praying about it because we always want to respond to natural disasters or any kind of disasters that are happening in our country and our world that we can. And we have partners we do that with. Um, But this time we have the benefit of proximity. And so we wanted to give the opportunity to our church to respond. And we we thought we would just open that up and maybe a handful of people would want to do it. But um, I'm so blown away to say that 60 of you signed up to do that. And that is so special um, to go and love people. Yeah love people on their worst days. And so um, I'm just so grateful uh, to be a part of a church that loves and serves people like Jesus. And um, that's who we're talking about today, Jesus. And uh, I could I could answer many different ways the prompt of who is Jesus to you. I, um, I could answer that he's my rock and my firm foundation. He's my Lord. He's my peace, my, um, my teacher, and the example that I follow. And I thought about all of those things, but um, as soon as I heard this prompt, it was like, like my soul connected and kind of, kind of like jumped at the fact that I know that Jesus is a fresh start. Uh, And a little bit about my story, Uh, my freshman year of college, um, I found myself in a really broken place. Uh, I I was just brokenhearted um, with what was going on in my life, and uh, I had no hope or like plan or idea or anything about my future. Um, And I had, for many years, I spent my time partying to kind of reconcile what I was feeling, and I didn't know how to process it, so that was kind of my outlet. Um, and, and at the right time, I had a persistent inviter in my life extend the same invitation that she had many times before. And um, everything about my life was just in the place to be like, all right, I'll give it a shot. 
Um, and I just want to pause and say that if you have someone that you, you have invited or that you're trying to invite to church, don't stop if they say no. One day, that invitation and persistent invitation will land on the right combination of whatever's going on in their life, and they'll come to church, and God will change their life, and that will happen. Um, and so don't stop inviting um, But I said yes to this invitation. I went to the service, um, and it was a very casual college service, but it was held in a really fancy-looking old church, Um, and there were pews, and so I was sitting on a pew with like a whole row of girls that I didn't know very well, and I didn't have much of a relationship with, Um, and I I remember being in there, and then I, I was just like, listening to worship because I didn't know the words to the song and we did we didn't have anything like we have here at church the beautiful handwritten lyrics to the songs um so I trying to was just trying to follow along and um they got into the message part and I remember being so bored I thought it was so boring and um I'm just gonna be honest it was very boring but and I know you guys don't feel that way today <laughs> Those were great. Um, But I was so bored. And um, by the end of it, he started wrapping up. And he he was sharing scripture. And he shared scripture um, that I don't think I'd ever heard before. And I honestly am not even sure that I understood what it meant when I heard it. But um, it, it like touched my soul. And it's the same uh, scripture that Miko actually just read, uh, but in a different translation. It's Galatians 5, 22 and 23. It says, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And as I heard him share those words, it it was like I was so shaken by the reality that I didn't have any of that fruit in my life. Like my life didn't look like any of those things. I didn't have any peace or joy and definitely no patience. Um, The fruit of my life was disappointment and resentment and depression and emptiness. Um, And and so it spoke to my soul. I, I, I wanted what that was. Uh, and as he wrapped up the message, he, he gave the opportunity to pray a prayer and accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And so I prayed that prayer at the end, and um, it was so much more than praying that prayer. That's all I had to do, but that's not all I got out of it. I truly experienced a fresh start, a fresh start that comes with salvation. And it's been many years for me now since that moment. And I've read my Bible um, a lot of times. And I've seen things like Lamentations 3, 22 and 23 that says, The faithfulness of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. Great is his faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh each morning. And John 1, 6, or 1, 16, sorry. For from his fullness, we have all received grace upon grace. And those things tell me that the fresh start that comes from Jesus is not just a one-time experience, but it's something that we get to experience over and over and over and over again. Um, And I don't know about you, but I found myself literally hundreds, if not more, times since I made that decision to follow Jesus in need of a fresh start. I get caught up in guilt or shame or, um, this is a big one for me, weariness from trying to control things that I can't control. Um, And I, I need a fresh start. And earlier this year, I felt like God was teaching me how to pray. 
thought I knew how to pray, but now I'm learning again how to pray. Um, And as I was going through the armor of God in Ephesians chapter 5, something stood out to me that never had before. We're to put on the helmet of salvation. Um, and and I, I am a very curious person, and so I kind of spent some time pondering that and asking God, like, salvation, praying about salvation makes sense. That's like the Christian thing to do, right? Um, but why, why is it attached to a helmet in this illustration? And uh, I am sure that they're very, very deep theological answers to that question, and I am not going to say that I know those, Um, but I would offer a simple answer to that question today, and it's that there's power in remembering salvation, that there's power in bringing, calling back to mind, bringing back to mind salvation, Um, and maybe today you find yourself here and you're stuck in a shame cycle, like a sin cycle or a shame cycle, and um, you feel like you've let God down. Or maybe you're here and you're literally exhausted. You're running on fumes um, and you're just going through the motions. Or maybe you're here and you're angry or feel bitter or resentment, um, and, and your heart has like gone hard. You can remember salvation today. You can remember salvation. Remember the day that God became more than an idea or a concept to you. Remember the day that it clicked that Jesus, it's not just a general thing that Jesus died for for all people. He did, but Jesus died to give you new life. Remember the day that that clicked. Remember all the things that God has done for you from, from that time. Remember the fact that God gives grace upon grace upon grace, and that his mercies are new this morning. You can remember salvation, and you can experience a fresh start. Um, And so I I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes today. Um, You've had the opportunity to hear from five different people and hear them answer the question that Jesus is asking all of us today. The question, who do you say that I am? And if we pass this mic around the room, how would you answer that? Who is Jesus to you? Maybe you're here today and you don't know how to answer that question because you don't have a relationship with Jesus. Maybe instead of remembering salvation, you need to experience salvation like I did at that college service. And when you look back on this day, instead of remembering um, an old church with pews, you'll remember an old high school with green wooden chairs. But more than that, you'll remember the day that you experienced the power and the grace of Jesus and the day it all became real to you. Or maybe you're here today and you've said yes to Jesus at some point in your life, but you find yourself far from God and you know that you need to experience a fresh start. If that's you today with every head bowed and eye closed in a moment of faith and courage, would you raise your hand as I count to three? One, two, three. It's amazing. So great. Amazing. You can put your hands down and repeat this prayer after me. Say, God, I need you. I'm sorry that I've lived my life without you. Today I put you first in my life. Would you change me and make me brand new? I give you my life. I choose to follow you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Church, can you celebrate? Come on with the angels in heaven.
over those that just made that decision. We're so proud of you. It's awesome. If there's anything in your life that we can pray for, please visit queencitypeople.com slash prayer. For the latest updates on our church, follow us on social media at Queen City People or visit queencitypeople.com.